I want to speak this morning uh, on the power of progress. We've been talking on a series of different P words, if you haven't noticed, and I just can't quite get off them. Um, so we're going to stay with the P words for a while, the power of progress. And I'll tell you right now, we're not going to get through this today. So this will probably continue in the next week as well. Um, but we want to talk about the power of progress because it's very, very important that we progress. If we don't progress, we're going to regress. And so it's very important that we stay on a path of progress. Life is a continuum of many small steps, as it says on your sheet. Not one large step in any one direction, but rather a number of small steps that takes one in the direction of life that he or she chooses. Life is a continuum of steps. The fact of the matter is, the significance of that is the steps that you choose. You are choosing where your steps are going. To keep oneself motivated, especially in the hard times, it's important to sense that a positive progress is being made. It's not enough to have a goal and a mission and a vision that is firmly entrenched in our mind to keep motivated. It takes a sense of seeing progress being made that keeps a person motivated to keep going and to not give up. We've been encouraged all through this service this morning to not give up, to don't look for an excuse, to don't let someone or something keep you from what God is trying to do. Sometimes we just need to have the assurance and the confidence that progress is being made. Like we, were asked, like we asked ourselves the question this morning, do I love Jesus? Do I want Jesus more today than I wanted him last week? That's progress. And it's a very important question that we have to keep asking ourselves. As we make spiritual progress and as we start that, that, down that road, the Holy Spirit helps us by giving us a hope. And that hope, the more you have, the more you want, more progress. It gives you a sense of the promise of the blessed hope. The blessed hope that we have in our heart and life is the rapture of the church. It's the coming back of Christ, the coming back of Jesus, the, the, to take us out of this world. That's the blessed hope. And the more that we have progress happening in our life, the more we want that event to happen the more it encourages us to keep going in the, in the difficulties of life. It makes life all worth living. If I didn't have that promise of that blessed hope, then I really wouldn't have a whole lot. I wouldn't have anything to, to hang my hat on, so to speak. I wouldn't have anything to, to cling on to in my tough days when it doesn't seem like progress is being made. When I know... When I know that someday that's going to happen, someday I'm going to see Jesus in the clouds or I'm going to be coming back in the clouds with him, but someday that's going to happen. And when I have that understanding in my life, it gives me a hope and it gives me the desire to want to keep progressing. I don't want to fall back. I don't want to lose ground that I've taken up at one point in time because I want to have that. I want to have that sense of accomplishment. I want to have that sense of spiritual progress. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14 tells us, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no 
to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Basically, what it's telling you is to progress. Keep moving. Say no. Keep moving. Live godly lives in this tough age. While we are waiting, or while we wait, for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Progress is essential to living. It's a part of it. You can't progress if you're not living, and you can't live without progressing. It is, they're intertwined. They're hand in glove. They fit together. We cannot live in a stationary mode. We cannot go on idle. We can't just sit and tread water very long. If we're not moving forward, we will be moving backward. We can round the crest of a hill and maybe stay in the top for a little bit, but either we're going we're to press on to go another level up, another plateau up, or we're going to fall back. You can't stay still forever. We, we have those momentary times of rest, and thank goodness we do. We need them sometimes, but we need to understand that we can't stay there. Our life just doesn't stay there forever. We have to do something. We have to keep moving or we're going to fall back. It's important that we encourage ourselves with the steps of progress that we have. No matter what you do for a living, no matter what you do in this life, it's important for our own human psyche and for our mental well-being to encourage ourselves with the steps of progress that we do make. And if you were to take a look back in your life, and you've seen the difference that you've made in someone's life. That's, pro that's progress. You need to hear that. You need to know that. If you're, if you're a builder and you're working on a house, it's nice to see at the end of the day what you did. It's nice to see that you've done something, you've accomplished something. And, and hopefully, if you're a better builder than I am, you don't have to re-tear it down and do it the next day. Because my typical progress is one step forward and about two steps back. That's why I let Ron build houses, and I don't. Because I would be the type of guy that would measure once and cut twice. And you can't make it any longer when you cut it the second time. So you have to be able to know that it's good to look back and see what you do. If you're a factory worker, it's good to see that you're doing the job on the line. If you're a, a school teacher, it's nice to see that you're making kids and you're helping kids progress in school. And they're passing tests and they're getting smarter and if you're a mom and dad, it's nice to see positive progress of your children and of your kids. And it's all important that we appreciate and we see that progress is essential. And we have to see it, and it encourages us. John Angel James, an English nonconformist clergyman, wrote this in 1853. Progress is not only mere action, but a moving forward a door turning upon its hinges is in a state of motion, but it never advances. A chariot moving upon wheels is not only in action, but goes onward. The conduct of some people in religion resembles the former. There is action, but no advancement. They move, but it is on hinges, not on wheels. They go through perhaps even with regularity the exercises of devotion, both public and private. They may be mechanically exact and punctual. Still, they do not go forward. That's not the life of a vibrant Christian. That is describing a person that works hard 
but not necessarily smart. My wife loves that saying, and she loves to use it with me quite often. If you would learn to work smart, you wouldn't have to work so hard. And there's a lot of truth in that. I don't always appreciate it when she tells me that, but it's true. We need to know how to work smart, and then we will not spin our wheels uh, as much. Progress is important for the person or the church. But it's not only important for them, it's also for the person, it's important for the person that's observing that person or observing that church. See, progress has a way to rub off and it can help others. If, um, if I'm looking specifically at a person, I have a tendency and I can and you can too, I, I can dig hard to find a problem. And some people, I don't have to dig very deep to find a problem. But I can always find a problem with somebody or something if I want to. We, have, we can find lots of problems with churches. But that's not encouraging positive growth. That's not encouraging positive progress. We can always find a negative. But it's not really beneficial, is it? I mean, what would, some, what would you want someone to tell you? Would you want someone to, to look for the progress that you've made and give you a compliment on, wow, I see you're making progress. I see you're growing. I see you're learning to put the filter on <laughs> for some of us. Uh, or you're learning to, to help other people for some of us. Or would you rather hear somebody come up to you and say, you need to do this better. Uh, you're not quite meeting up here. You're not quite, fitting, you're not quite filling the bill here. What, what would you rather have? There's nothing wrong with an encouraging word. When you see progress for some, in somebody or in something, there is nothing wrong with going up to that person, putting your arm around them and saying, hey, good job. I'm really proud of you. Good job. You're making me want to be a better person. See, progress rubs off. And it makes a positive thing. As we start to see new things happening in our church, when Riley and Drew get actively engaged with their uh, ministries, see, that's going to make a positive impact on all of our church. And it's going to help grow other areas of our church as well. It's going to bring new families in because there's going to be kids that are going to be ministered to by the middle school group and by the high school group and then Angie and Chris and the others that are putting the children's church together. And then we have a full family ministry. This church is going to just automatically begin to grow in numbers because people are going to be ministered to for the whole family. And what we need to do is go up to Riley and Drew and Chris and Angie and whoever's ever helping, Pam Dross in the nursery and all those Sunday school teachers we have have, walk up to them every so often and put your arm around them and say, thanks. Thanks for going above and beyond. Thanks for stepping up. Thanks for helping us out. Thanks for helping us grow. And as we start to grow, you know what? There will be more opportunities for you then to step up and do things. And this church will grow spiritually as well as it will grow in numbers. And it will be a very positive, very uh, impactful, positive growth. And that's what's very important. So I want to speak specifically over the next week or two, today, maybe next week, I want to talk about the seven things that I have listed on your paper. That, first of all, progress is required. The Christian life demands progress. Number two, one must want progress in their life and in their church. Without desire to grow or progress in one's spiritual life, there will be none. Number three, progress brings opposition. You can expect opposition as you go forward. Number four, the pace of progress is very important. Life is a marathon, not a sprint. So having a proper pace 
is very important so that you can finish the race. Number five, progress is built upon the past. A good foundation. Like we talked about today in that song, The Rock. I built upon the, that solid foundation. It's so important that we have a solid foundation. But it's as important that we don't get stuck in the past either. We don't get stuck either in a failure or we don't get stuck in a success. We build upon, the fa- we, we build upon our foundation. We build upon our past, but we move off of it. Number six, progress isn't afraid of change. In fact, progress requires change. And then number seven, progress is pleasing to God and those affected by it. So let's look back at number one. Progress is required of growth. Required of growth. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. In the English Standard Version, it says this. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Progress is required of the church and as well as our own personal lives. In fact, the church cannot grow if we as individual people don't grow because the church is us. We are the church. So the church body, the church building isn't going to grow. It can't grow because it's it's an innate object. This building is not going to grow. So when we talk about the church, we're not talking about the building. We're talking about the body, the body of believers. And the only way the church grows is if I grow or is if you grow. And together we have to grow as a system. A good example of this is how a tree grows. And what's important about a tree is that a tree has to have a good foundation. A tree has to have a good root system if the tree is going to be substantial, uh, grow to be, to be of any size at all, or to withstand any type of a, of a problem, any type of a windstorm or an ice storm. So a tree has to have a good, solid root system, a good, solid foundation. And we then are likewise, as a church, we need to have that same type of a root system. And we need to grow uh, deeper and more strong in our belief and our foundation before we grow wide. We need to have a good, solid foundation of our who we are and what we are before we just try to grow in numbers. Do you understand what I'm saying there? Do you understand the significance of that? Because if we just want to grow in numbers and we just put programs in place, and we can do that and we can make it really fun and entertaining, but if we don't have any spiritual depth, if we don't have any discipleship going on, if we're not teaching the Word of God, if we're not preaching and teaching the truth, the gospel then we're just a country club. And we're just out trying to be a social organization. And that's not spiritual growth. That's building a program. And that's building an organization. But it has no real depth. The first wind that comes along, the first problem that comes along, and if there's not a good solid foundation of that church or of that organization, it will topple or it will split or it will have division or people will will lose heart. And we won't have any substantive nature behind it. So it's important that a tree has a good root system, just as important as a church have a good foundation system. According to Wikipedia, tree roots normally grow outward to about three times the branch spread. 
The root system of a tree performs many vital functions. In winter, it is a storehouse for essential food reserves needed by the tree to produce spring foliage. Roots absorb and transport water and minerals from the soil to the rest of the tree. Roots also anchor the portion of the tree that's above the ground. So the purpose of the root system in a tree is twofold. Number one, it brings nourishment from the soil into the tree to sustain life. The roots are a capillary system. They absorb water and nutrients from the ground, and they um, spread that into the tree, into the, into, the, into the trunk of the tree, and then it, it, it works up into the leaves, and then the thing all works and it grows, and that's what it's for. So the tree there is to, uh, or the purpose of the roots is to bring growth to the tree. It's likewise in a church. The foundation is to get into the Word of God. Let your root system, let your capillaries, let your, your, your private time, your devotional time dig deep in the Word where there's life in the Word. We can't stay on the top of the surface very long and expect to grow. You have to go deep. You have to get into the Word. You have to digest it. You have to, you have to let the Holy Spirit bring it alive to you. You have to spend time there and let the Holy Spirit lead you and grow, let you grow. So as the root system grows, it allows the tree to get bigger as the root system grows. But it can't go big until it goes deep. Another purpose of the root system is to hold the tree upright in the, in the midst of a storm. Likewise, for a Christian, where you're going to have a problem. You're going to get hit with something in your life. And if you don't have your, found, your solid foundation deep in the Word of God and in a prayer life, the first, the first obstacle, the, burst, the first sickness, the first problem with your children, the first problem in your job, the first problem that comes along, it can really impact your faith. The first time you pray and God doesn't answer your prayer can knock you down. It's not that God didn't answer your prayer. It's that he's trying to make you grow. He's trying to encourage you to grow. He's trying to encourage you to keep digging in, keep working on it. We need spiritual meat, not just milk all the time. A healthy church is like a healthy tree. Both need to be progressively growing deep and wide. The foundation of root system needs to be strong and progressively st growing stronger and deeper to be handled the new growth that comes into it. Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 16 gives us a good example of how the church grows. Christ chose some of us to be apostles, prophets, missionaries, pastors, and teachers so that his people would learn to serve his body and would grow strong. Now, let's stop here a minute. If I was a herb herbologist, I could then take a tree root system and I could dissect it for you and I could tell you the different types of roots that are in a tree. There's a tap root and there's capillary roots and there's different kinds of root systems. But they all work together in that same tree. You have to have a tap root. You have to have the one that goes deep. You have to have the ones that go along the ground where the nutrients are. You have to have different types of roots in one tree for that tree to be healthy. That's what, that's what Paul is telling the, the, the Ephesians here, that there are some that are apostles, some are prophets, some missionaries, some pastors, some teachers. What these are? Different types of roots in the healthy body of a church. So we have to have different talents, different, different giftings to have a, a, a strong and growing church body. Continuing on to verse 13, this will continue until we are united by our faith and by our understanding of the Son of God. Then we will be mature, just as Christ is, and we will be completely like him. We must stop acting like children. 
We must not let deceitful people trick us by their false teachings, which are like winds that toss us around from place to place. Again, no root system, the first new teaching, the first new idea, the first fad that comes along, and all of a sudden we're chasing that new idea. We're chasing that. We're chasing this. That's not spiritual growth. Not to say that we can't change, because we're going to talk about that later, where we have to have change, but we have to make sure that what we're changing for is fundamental in the Word of God. We've got to make sure that we're not being tossed to and fro by, by uh, interesting teachings or a new way of doing something if it's not biblically based. We have to be careful there. Make sure that it goes back to the Bible. Then to, going back to verse 15, love should always make us tell the truth. Then we will grow in every way and be more like Christ, the head of the body. Christ holds it together and makes all of its parts work perfectly as it grows and becomes strong because of love. So the significance of church growth for you personally is that as the church grows, its members must grow. You must grow. You personally must grow. If you're not growing, then you're not helping this church grow. Then you're not being an effective root of the tree. You have to be doing something in your spiritual life for this church to grow. We all depend on you. We depend on you as much as we depend on any other church member, any other church leader, any of the deacons, any of the Sunday school teachers, as you depend on Jackie, the worship leader, or myself as a pastor, or Floyd as a janitor. It doesn't make a difference what position it is. We need you. And the church needs you. And you need to grow. What's interesting about a church setting is that when a visitor walks in, they have no idea if you are a founding mem member of the church or if you're a visitor too. So if somebody walks into the church their first time, and if they don't have a smiling face to meet, if they don't have someone with an, out hand, with an outheld hand to shake their hand or give them a warm hug and say welcome, all it takes is a few bad experiences for somebody to walk into a new church, and you know what? They're not coming back. They're not coming back. So your role as you see visitors, as, as new people come in, is very important that you embrace them and you make them feel welcome. And that you do your part in that. That's a very simple thing to do, but yet it's very important because it's not enough for one or two people to be friendly and welcoming guests. We all have to be friendly and welcoming guests. We all have to do our part. We all have to be that because all it takes is one, one bad word. Or one bad look. And all of a sudden, because remember what we said at the beginning, people look for problems. People are looking for the negative. And all it takes is for somebody to come in and looking for one more bad experience never to go to church again. And if they walk into the door and they find it, then we're just another, we're just another notch in their belt, another hypocrite in the church that, that says a good thing and then doesn't live it. Or even more importantly, you see them on Friday or on Thursday in the store, and if you don't recognize them, if you don't embrace, if you don't talk to them, if you don't treat them well, it's another bad experience for church people. This is why if the church is going to grow, you have to grow. Not just spiritually all the time. Certainly spirituality is very important, but just socially. In social graces, you need to grow. You need to watch what we say and do. And so that we don't hurt or, or impact people um, and understand how important it is that they're watching us. And they're watching, they want to know how we're acting. How are we living? Are we really living out what we preach? Are we really doing it? Remember, if the church is going to grow, you have to grow. Is that um, how, many times our progress is, is hindered 
because we see all the flaws of the people in the church. And we have the misconception that, a, that we, as imperfect people, can't grow. That the enemy will come and he will give you a bad idea. He will tell you that, no, you're not worth in, investing in or you're not going to grow because you have a problem. You have this past sin or you have this besetting thing that just hinders you all the time. Well, understand right now that that's a lie from the enemy. Imperfect people can still grow spiritually. People that are not perfect... Imperfect people still need to grow spiritually because I'll tell you right, you know why? Because I have not met a perfect person yet. We're all imperfect. We all have flaws. How many perfect maple trees, I mean perfect maple trees, have you ever seen? Have you ever seen a perfect tree? No. There's a lot of imperfections in trees. The bark gets hit early on. Somebody shoots at it or somebody carves their initials in it or, or there's a tree gets busted off. No, it's not perfect. But how many big maple trees have you seen? I've seen a lot of big, imperfect maple trees. And you know what? It's very healthy. So living and spiritual growth is not perfection. Don't expect it of yourself and don't expect it of your neighbor. People are going to screw up. People are going to miss, they're going to miss steps. So don't, don't think that just because you go to church or because they go to church, they should never um, mess up. They're going to mess up. Here's the thing, then. If you want spiritual growth, look past it. Look over it. Don't be looking to be, don't be, looking to be insulted. Don't be looking to be hurt. Look over it. Understand that imperfect people grow. Imperfect trees grow. Number two. One must want progress in the church and in their personal lives. Spiritual growth is not the same as physical growth. Spiritual growth is not the same as physical growth because physically a child grows up to adulthood regardless if they're ready to or not. A child grows physically whether you want them to or not want them to. When you have a, your baby, Jenna... I don't want you to grow up. I don't want you to. But, you, but she's growing up before my eyes, and I don't want her to. But I can't stop her. She's growing up to be a beautiful young lady with many, many talents and gifts. I can't stop that. It just happens automatically. But, you know, spiritual growth does not happen automatically. Spiritual growth in anybody's life does not come with age. You have to want to grow spiritually. You have to want to grow up spiritually. Physically, it happens whether you like it or not. Whether you want to or not, you're just going to grow. Now, intellectually, you may not. <laughs> and, and, and if you want to grow intellectually, you have to study. You have to work. But physical growth requires nothing besides just a natural ability to eat and to live and to grow. Spiritual life, however, is different. To quote John Angel James again, he says, Why is it that so many professing Christians do not make progress and indeed make no efforts to obtain it? Why? Because they care nothing about it. To take up a profession is all they desire, but to proceed from one degree of piety or holiness, piety could be holiness, to another. Let me read that again. But to proceed from one degree of holiness to another, to grow in grace, to go on in, unto perfection, is no part of their ambition. 
There must then be concerned about the matter. And shall there be none? Is it possible to be a Christian and yet, and yet destitute of this desire to grow in grace? No, it is not. I tell you, it is not. If you have no concern to grow in grace, there is no grace in you. You are a piece of dead wood and not a living branch, a spiritual corpse and not a living man. In this state, there can be no growth, for dead things never grow. We all have growth issues in our life, and we all have to be concerned about that. A person or a church that is not desirous of progressive growth is a dead person or a dead church. And here's the bad thing about it. Most of the time, they don't even know it. Most of the time, they don't even realize it. Because nobody's ever challenged them, do I love Jesus more today than I did last week? Do I want him more today than I wanted last week? If you don't challenge yourself with that question, how do you know if you're growing? How do you know if you're making progress? If all your Christianity is based upon church attendance, that's not growth. That's not spiritual growth. If you're not praying more today, if you're not seeking God more today, if you're not reading the Word a little bit deeper today, are you really growing are you really making progress? Or are you just playing the game of church attendance and saying, I'm a Christian? I'm a coach here today, and I'm coaching the team that the Lord has given me charge over. And I want you to be the best team you can be. And as a coach, I'm not saying you have to be all the same. I'm not saying you have to do all the same things, but I am asking you, I am encouraging you to get in shape. I am encouraging you to eat a good diet. I am encouraging you to pay attention to the rules. Practice hard. If you're going to play the game of life well, practice hard. Progress. I have a whole lot more to say about it, but I'm, not, I'm going to stop right here. It's 12 o'clock. My wife said it would be done at 12. I always listen to my wife. Would you stand with me? We have a lot more to say. We're going to, we're going to continue this later, but I just want to encourage you with that word today that you have to grow. Spiritually, you need to grow. Spiritually, I need to grow. Keep that piece of paper with you. Think about those next seven ideas we're going to talk about. Um, I'll tell you what, do a little research. Take that paper this week, go down those topics, and you dig into the Word of God yourself. You go and you search, the, you search it. You pretend you're going to preach next week. Take the topics. You go then and figure out what your sermon would be. Okay? And if somebody's got a really good, and good one, you can preach. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I thank you today. We thank you for your ministering to us. We thank you for your concern and love for us. And Lord, we do so much want to grow. Lord, we so much want to make progress. Lord, if we're not making uh, spiritual progress, Lord, then we're making unspiritual progress. And Lord, we do not want to fall backwards. We do not want to, to fall away from you. We want to move forward. We want to keep moving. And we just want you to stay in our life and stay in our hearts, Lord. And we just want to work. And we want to be the church that's growing. We want to be people that are growing. And Lord, we just want to be pleasing in your sight. So Lord, as we go to our homes today, we pray that you would encourage us with that. 
And Lord, we pray that you would just help us to dig in this week. Help us to find out what you want us to do this week, Father. Help us, Lord Jesus. Examine our lives. Help us to judge ourselves, not each other. Help us to judge ourselves so that we can grow and be the church and be the bride that you're coming back for. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.